Next on BYUSN, the Cougars changed the starting running back. Who is it? And will it kickstart the run game? What's the latest on Cody Epps? Aaron Roderick gives an update. Plus, my chat with Paul Miley about the rushing attack and why socks are top of mind this Saturday. How about another record-breaking night at the Smith Fieldhouse? BYU women's volleyball restoring their winning ways against the rival to the unrivaled delight of an all-time crowd. And number one ranked BYU women's soccer hosts the first ever Big 12 conference game of any sort. When the Cougars welcome upset-minded TCU tonight, we'll preview it with two of the top defenders in the entire Big 12. Let's go! Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, September 14th. I'm Jerem Jordan in Provo, Utah. He is a guy who flew to Arkansas, didn't spell out beat Arkansas in the plane he was in, Spencer Linton. Spencer, what is up, my guy? Live from Fayetteville. Let's go. The Delta pilots quickly shut down my brilliant idea to last minute change the flight plan and told me to just sit in my seat and deal with it. So we went with that. But it's all good, Jaron, because Captain Butter is up to his old tricks, flying very unique paths over the Puget Sound in the Pacific Northwest. He did it again, except this time instead of beat SUU, he spells out beat Arkansas, charted it, flew it to perfection. And Jerem, if BYU wins at Razorback Stadium, this has to become an every week thing, does it not? Well, I, I think you should keep it going no matter what, because this is one of the greatest feats in sports fandom period, not just BYU ever, that someone gets in a plane <laughs> and is named Captain Butter and can spell it out and do it well. I mean, there are, those, there are haters who say it's fake, but Captain Butter, which also feels like a fake name, is getting it done. So that it worked last week. Hopefully it works this week. But how cool is that? What what a night for uh, you know Captain Butter for you traveling to Arkansas last night in the Smith Fieldhouse dog, five thousand five hundred twenty eight. Yeah. A record crowd for women's volleyball in the Smith. Beat Utah in four. It was awesome. Will Hardy, the head coach of the Utah Jazz, was there. It was so cool. Shep, of course, was on it. He's like Will Hardy. It was that was that's great. It was a great night. Beating the Utes is always good, and it's their last match against each other without being in the same league. So how about that? What a fun night for That was a everybody. great impersonation of Shep, Jerem. Oh! I don't know if it's Dick Vitale yeah. or me doing the Blue Grabs. Yeah. I have no clue. But uh, Shep, like us, gets excited about what he loves. <laughs> okay, let's go. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. BYU is making a change at running back. Here's offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. LJ's going to start this game, and Aiden's going to play too, and so is Dion, but LJ's going to start this game. What went into that decision to go with LJ to give him the start? Uh, he's breaking tackles. Sometimes it's that simple. The numbers bared out. Martin's averaging 5.4 yards per carry. He leads the team by 89 yards through two games from the next closest rusher. Roderick added that BYU still needs Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith, and they will play in this game and this season. Certainly, uh, they, they will. But the kid from El Paso is getting the first carry. So, Spence, is L.J. Martin the necessary spark for the BYU run game? I hope so, and to his credit. And what you just heard from Aaron Roderick, 
he is making the most of his opportunity and breaking tackles. And I think when you look at his ability to create yards after contact, that's not something that we've seen from Aiden Robbins. A little bit from Deion Smith, but Deion Smith is a different type of running back. He's more shifty. He's better on the edges. LJ is kind of that combo back that can do a little bit of what Tyler Algier does, and then he can give you the power to get those yards after contact. The coaches are looking at the ability, yes, to be physical, create those extra yards, and frankly, to do things that make you say, whoa, LJ's had multiple runs in limited carries that have brought that. He looks confident, Jerem, and that matters a lot to Kalani Sitake and Aaron Roderick. It's just the ability to steal a phrase from the scriptures, wax strong in your confidence. He looks great in the running back position in his limited carries. Little hesitation on his part. He's earned this. Now, my concern is with Aiden Robbins, BYU's going to need him this season, and this is a scenario that can frankly rock your confidence when you are the clear number one, and then a younger guy comes in, and we have a Wally Pitt moment of sorts. Like, that's, that's never easy to handle if you're the older guy. BYU will need Aiden Robbins. I hope this doesn't deter him too much and that he can stay fully invested, and when he's called upon eventually, he'll be there to do his thing. But I hope it's the spark that BYU needs, and I think LJ absolutely has earned this. Yeah, through two games, what's something that you're going to change? If it's not Paul Miley, Connor Pay at center, then it's certainly got to be maybe someone else uh, starting. What That starting not is, okay, we believe that you should get the most carries in this game and the first carries. Certainly being the starter isn't everything in football. In basketball, it feels like it's more meaningful, even soccer, of course, and so on and so forth. In football, starting to me is not as big of a deal. But what it says is, yes, LJ, you've earned this, you've produced, you're breaking tackles. You're doing what we need. And uh, he's, he's, he's gotten a pretty good shake uh, in opportunity so far. If I'm Aiden Robbins, when I get my opportunities now, I've got to prove something maybe a little more. I came in as the guy. I'm not the guy walking into this game. But like you said, and we've said this week, Aiden Robbins has got to produce for BYU. He has got to have a good year. Are we thinking he's still going to run for 1,000 yards? I'm not so sure. But I would love for him to get in games and be the guy that we expected him to be coming off a thousand year a uh, thousand yards at UNLV. Now it's LJ Martin's turn, highly touted running back coming out of high school. BYU got him because he decommitted from Texas Tech and then Stanford, and, and now he's a BYU Cougar. And now he's going to start in a game in the SEC against Arkansas. So hopefully this is the spark to get BYU going. Certainly, if Arkansas does what Southern Utah did and loads the box, you're not going to see a, a ton of LJ Martin. But I doubt that Arkansas will. I bet they'll play pretty balanced and make BYU beat them straight up. Uh, Aaron Roderick also spoke on how BYU can improve the run game in addition to LJ Martin starting moving forward. Um, well, we have a lot of work to do, but um, if anytime a team plays us like that, we're just going to throw the ball over their head. And that's and we believe we're really confident we can do that um, against a team that doesn't want to back up. We do need to get better. We need to run harder, break tackles. We need to block better at all 11 positions. We need to coach better. And uh, it's a team thing. The run game is an 11-man deal. Indeed it is, and we're going to see that. By the way, BYU has five rushes of 10-plus this year. Four of those are from LJ Martin. So you talk about any kind of explosion yeah. that's come from the kid from El Paso. Those are the woe moments. You like know, I think uh, SUU tried to do that to us last week, having their safeties down at like seven yards. And so that's Connor Pay. In fact, uh, let's just hear from Connor because he had a really sarcastic comment that I enjoyed. You know, I think uh, SUU tried to do that to us last week, having their safeties down at like seven yards. And so 
I mean, you know, we're not idiots. You're going to play your safety at seven yards. We'll throw for 400 on you and four touchdowns or whatever it was. So, you know, but I guess we're just a we're just an OK team, though. So but um, I think, uh, you know, it's <clears throat> it is, you know, it's something you take pride in as an offensive line to be able to move the ball in the run game regardless. And so, you know, those last two weeks have stung for us a little bit in that sense of where we haven't been able to do that as consistently as we uh, wish we would have, you know, but I think uh, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that that are being addressed. And so I'm excited for, you know, this game this week and getting the run game going and uh, for the rest of the season. So I, I love some good sarcasm. I know it's the devil's playground, but uh, sometimes <laughs> I hang out there. Um, Con Connor said it really well, and obviously Southern Utah dared BYU to throw, which was really interesting. They saw how much BYU struggled in the run game. Granted, we didn't know that struggle would, would merit you know, that kind of yardage, but certainly when BYU ran it, they weren't that effective. So when they run it, whatever the game plan looks like, yeah. they've got to be better, as you've mentioned. Connor's not one to mince words, and even he said, look, they're stacking the box. Yes, of course, we're going to throw it over your head for 400 yards and four touchdowns, to quote him specifically. Wasn't quite that, but close enough. But he knows that the 23 times BYU did run the ball against Southern Utah, only averaged two yards per carry. Again, in his words, that stings. It's not good. Give me at least three and a half or four yards per carry when you're run actually running the ball. So had BYU only run the ball 23 times for – 92 yards, fine, that's four yards a carry. That, that would have been plenty for the Cougars to feel okay about what they could potentially do against Arkansas. So uh, looking at Connor and listening to his comments, he clearly is bothered by this, and this okay team will come in <laughs> to Arkansas with the proverbial chip on the shoulder looking to prove something against a stronger defensive front than they have faced in the first two weeks. So I like that Connor Salty – I'm with you. I like his sarcasm. He never minces words. Can we have a few more of those whoa moments? Not just produced by the running back, L.J. Martin, because like, he's been special on occasion. Can we have a few of those whoa moments that are like, whoa, did you see that block? Did you see that gaping hole that L.J. Martin just ran through or Aiden Robbins or whoever? That, we're looking for those whoa moments from the offensive line, and I, I think that they're out to prove that they can do that. They certainly need to, and uh, they're being challenged. Paul Miley will address that in my conversation after practice yesterday coming up in the next segment. But certainly another piece of personnel information that came out yesterday was the fact that uh, Cody Epps on Monday, Klein Stocky saying, hey, we expect him to play. But Aaron Roderick gave us an update that may not be as optimistic. Well, he's practiced a little bit yesterday and today. Um, had a little setback. I don't know if he's going to be ready, but he did a little bit today. So... Um, it'd be great to get him back if we ever do, <laughs> but he's not, not sure yet. Well, that changes things because Cody Epps had a monster game last year to the tune of nine catches for 125 and a touchdown against Arkansas. What are your expectations mm. for this game if Cody Epps plays or doesn't play? Well, I think that he is critical to this BYU offense because Cody Epps is the type of receiver that can take some pressure off the running backs and frankly, take some pressure off of Keaton Slovis. Like if BYU needs three to five yards on first down, Cody Epps in the slot is good enough with his footwork and his route running that 
he can be that dude. So if, they're, if BYU's not going to be able to run for three to five yards on first down, they certainly can throw some type of hitch or a little screen or a crossing route to Cody Epps where he can get those three to five yards and set BYU up for a much better second down scenario and then get to a third and short instead of consistently being in third and long. Cody Epps is the guy that I believe is most suited to help BYU get out of those third and long situations because he can make that impact on first and second down and BYU wants to throw a lot of different looks and they want to pass more. So why not? If Would Cody Epps not be the guy that could help in that scenario? If he doesn't play, Jerem, then, then who is that guy? Is it Keelan Marion? He's probably the next closest type of player to Cody Epps, but I, I didn't see him a ton in the slot in the first two games. So if Cody doesn't play, yeah, that this is this hurts BYU's ability to, to get positive chunk yardage in those early downs. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, Cody Epps needs to play in this game. And, and with no Rocket Sanders for Arkansas, I'd love to be full bore, pun intended, with the Brigham Young University yeah. uh, tackling football team, intercollegiate tackling football team, because Cody Epps was, uh, this was his breakout game last year. Um, this in Notre Dame, we were like, dude, this kid is a baller. And so I would hope that Cody is one healthy and two can play in this game. Those are obviously connected. And then, like you said, create third and manageable, which is third and five or fewer. BYU has been caught in too many third and longs, and it's tough for a lot of teams to execute there. LJ Martin, Aiden Robbins, Deion Smith, and the O-line need to show up on first down and make it happen. And everyone needs to do everything better, like Aaron Roderick said. It's the play calling, it's the blocking, one through 11, by the way, not just the O-line. Once someone gets to that second level, spring them for a big gainer. The longest rush of the season is 21 yards. We can let's see LJ Martin break one out where he goes 30 or 40. But this is a huge challenge. This isn't the best defense BYU is going to play all year, but it might be. We'll see at the end of the year. I think that's Texas right now. This is a big challenge, and BYU needs both LJ Martin to show up and Cody up, so we will see. Throwback Thursday edition of the question of the day today. BYU's four and seven all time against the SEC. That's actually a better record than uh, I thought. I, 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 I'm okay with that. Uh, four wins, right? So what's your favorite <laughs> win over an SEC team in BYU football history? We've got 2001 at Mississippi State. Uh, that's a game-winning field goal, uh, you know, at the very end there. 2011 at Ole Miss, KVN saving the day. 2016 versus Mississippi State at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That was an overtime victory. And then 2019, of course, the Micah Miracle at Tennessee and Double OT as well. What's your yes. favorite before I read someone else's? Uh, it, it definitely is what happened in 2019. The Micah miracle Gotta was just be, so improbable. Uh, BYU, with their backs entirely against the wall, with almost 100,000 crazy Tennessee fans screaming at the top of their lungs, for that to be completed down the sideline, just this last gasp, and to get into field goal range and have to go, like, sprinting up so that Jake Oldroyd could bend in that field goal <laughs> to send it to overtime and then... The Tyson push along with the entire offensive line. Never before has BYU scored a touchdown with seven players at the same time until that moment. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Great. It was unbelievable. So that's my favorite just because just to hear like the crazy crowd going to utter stunned silence aside from the 10 to 15,000 BYU fans that were going absolutely bonkers in that royal blue section of Neyland Stadium. That's number one for me. What about you? It's got to be Tennessee for all the reasons you mentioned. And that Tennessee team goes 8-5. and five. Like when BYU beats Ole Miss in 2011 to kick off yeah. Independence, that was awesome. 
uh, you know, BYU fans not partaking in the Grove. They like a different Grove for different reasons. But that was a game where you beat a 2-10 and 10 team eventually. You know, in the end, it was like, well, it was good to win. You've got to go win. But let's go. Okay, Christopher Coleman on Facebook. The 2016 uh, Mississippi State atmosphere was at LES was rocking. Emotions were sky high. <laughs> First time this, uh, that season, they, got, they just got over the hump. We win a close game. You remember we lost two to three games previous to that that were one score last second. That was a big win, too. That day, and of course, Kainakua picked off a pass. That's just what he did in like every game. It's tough to play everybody not oh. named Vanderbilt, right? In the SEC, they just they just have uh, a certain <laughs> kind of D lineman, a certain physicality, a certain skill set, and depth that is different. Like it it is different when you play the SEC. Karen uh, Babis on Facebook, love the Ole Miss game. KVN was epic, but nothing can compare to the win at good old Rocky Top. Even the orange wearing fans loved our y'all shirts. What a fun game. Yeah, K- KVN saving the day. Uh, that was awesome. That was a, a, an offense that struggled out of the gate. Um, got a nut, you know, J.J. Luigi running down the field. Jay keeps. But KVN saved the day, man. It was, it was awesome. Continue to weigh in on Facebook, X, and Instagram. All right, watch BYUSN Game Day to get you all set for BYU's first road game of the 2023 season. In SEC country, the Cougars on a drive for five wins over SEC competition. Coverage begins at 5.30 Eastern on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Up next, my one-on-one with BYU center Paul Miley. What does this offensive line feel like they need to prove? And why is Paul taking a bunch of pairs of socks to this game? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem Jordan for your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play. Spencer Linton will join us in a moment from Fayetteville, Arkansas, ahead of the big game with the Arkansas Razorbacks coming up Saturday night. Well, Paul Miley transferred down from Utah after starting last season at center for weeks like this. Big game in the SEC against the Razorbacks and a chance for this offensive line to show its quality after at times struggling the first two weeks, especially in the run game, although they threw for a bunch of yards against Southern Utah as the defense dictated. I chatted with the Cougars starting center yesterday after practice. All right, Paul, uh, first two games in the book, big game with Arkansas. How's practice been this week? It's been good. Yeah, I mean, we've really been getting after it, try to kick it up a notch, you know what I mean, and really get ready for these boys. And I mean, I feel like we're putting in the work thus far, you know what I mean, this week. So got to just get another good day to practice tomorrow and then get all that mental preparation the rest of the week as well. A lot of rhetoric about what the offense has done or not done. How have you guys evaluated yourselves so far? I feel like O-line, I mean, we played well. There's always stuff to improve on, but we've been able to play our game. So I feel like if we just keep practicing hard, I mean, the rest of the week and do what we can control, then we should be straight come Saturday. Aaron Roderick on Coordinator's Corner talked about, hey, we only had 55 plays, but up 41 points. That was good. They were daring us to pass. Um, what did you see Saturday in terms of kind of what the, the defense dictated to the offense? Yeah, no, they were definitely stacking that box. So they had about, I mean, seven, eight dudes in there every almost every play. So, of course, we're going to throw the ball. You know I mean, everyone's got an opinion going to say, oh, they didn't run the ball, whatever. But, I mean, if they're going to give us those looks, of course, we're going to throw it all day. So, at the end of the day, it's just we got to do what we know we, we can do. And as long as we take care, you know what I mean, we just listen to everyone inside of this building and block out all the outside noise, we'll be fine. And when you're running out, obviously you're hoping those numbers improve and increase. Um, what do you believe will happen when you get the opportunity to run a little bit more, perhaps Saturday? 
know, I mean, we get the looks we want. You know, what I mean, then they have a regular box. We're gonna run the ball. You know what I mean? But if they come out like how SEU did, you know what I mean? Then we're gonna throw it. So whatever they give us, we're gonna run with it. But we're gonna control the tempo and play our game at the end of the day. How long does it take a, a group like the offensive line and others to kind of gel? And how many games do you need to feel, I guess, more comfortable? Because that's something some people have said. And, and like, hey, you know, it's a new group uh, to some degree. Maybe it takes a sec. Mm. No, it definitely, you know, I mean, coming, we've, we've made a lot of strides from, from day one of camp all the way to now. So it's definitely taking some time. But, you know, I mean, the more snaps we get together as a group, you know, what I mean, a starting five playing together, the cleaner it's getting. So. I feel like we're in good shape right now, and it's only going to keep getting better the more we play with each other. Do you settle into a game, or are you settled in from the get-go? Like, are there pregame nerves, or like, do you need to hit someone to kind of loosen up? How does it work for you? I feel like for me, it's always I'm always just pretty chill. I mean, get a little nervous right when we get to the stadium, but at the end of the day, it's football. I mean, I'm blessed to play a child's game. I mean, and to be able to play this game for this long, so it's what I want to do. So I don't really get too nervous. Who's the who's the super vocal one on the uh, offensive line? And then who's the guy that's like, I'm just going to do my job. I don't need to say much. <laughs> I feel like the super vocal one, definitely CPA, you know what I mean? He's, he know, he, he like to talk and as he should because he's our, that's my dude, you know what I mean? And that's our leader. One that doesn't really like to say much. I mean, I, I talk a lot as a center, but at the end of the day, like, I don't really say much. So I say probably me or Caleb or even Kings, honestly. Way and Connor like to talk, though. <laughs> like to each other, to the opponent, um, to the crowd. What are we talking about? Connor to us, way to the opponent. <laughs> and then me, Kings, and Caleb just kind of just do our thing, you know. <laughs> Obviously, you're focused. But are there moments of levity, of humor within a drive? Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? We're always, like... I don't know. I, I don't know if I say that, but if like something funny happened to play before, we're gonna laugh about it. You know what I mean? In between plays, so like in the huddle. Yeah, in the huddle. Like I just be like, bro, like why was you on your back or like one of the boys is. You know what I mean? So it's just. So you can give each other a hard time. Definitely, you know. That's awesome. But yeah, just want to stay focused. But I mean, we can have a laugh every now and then. Okay, two and zero. You head to the SEC. Big game with Arkansas. Uh, certainly, that's a, a big D line, a really nice front seven. What do you see uh, that has your attention from the Razorbacks? Oh, yeah, no, just like you said, they got a really good front seven, you know, especially those uh, D tackles in the ends. They look good, and it's going to be a good battle up front. So it's going to be a battle of the trenches, and whoever comes out stronger, I mean, that's going to win the game. So I feel like it'll be determined in the trenches. Do you feel like you have anything to prove in the run game, or you already know what you have? You know, you're just going to show it when it happens. I feel like we have something to prove to ourselves because we know what we're capable of, you know what I mean? And those numbers aren't us, you know, the numbers we've gotten those first two games. So I feel like it's. Not nothing to prove to anyone else because at the end of the day, we don't care about all that outside noise, just about, I mean, all these people in the building. So just more to prove to ourselves and just what we've been able to do in practice all camp, you know what I mean, and just showing it on Saturday. Speaking of outside noise, uh, you guys pumped in crowd noise. Um, talk to me about kind of how that helps you prepare for what will be a rowdy crowd. I mean, the crowd noise is loud as heck. Like, they have it probably no more than 10 yards behind us, so it's, it's hard to communicate. I got to... I mean, I, can't, I don't know if you can tell, but, like, I've almost lost my voice just yelling all day today and yesterday. It's a little Barry Whitish, I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. The, the crowd noise gets loud, but I know it's going to be a hostile environment. So I'm excited, you know what I mean? It's going to be fun, and bring on the pressure. Let's get it. Klein Stake preseason said, hey, we're acting like we're playing 12 Power Fives. Well, the 10 actual Power Fives are starting this week. Um, what is it that uh, you feel like this, this group is ready for and excited about when it comes to – uh, the most unprecedented run of games we always ever played? I mean, I feel like the practice we've put in, you know I mean, from fall camp all the way until now, and even just this week, we brought it every day, and I could tell everyone's bought in. So 
it's just bringing our best foot forward and playing our game that we all know we can play. And if we play the way we know we can play, I don't think anyone in the country can stop us. What makes you feel so confident like that? Preparation and just hard work. You know, I know we're putting in the time here at practice and even in the film room. I mean, us five, you know, we meet together two, three times a week and we're putting in that time. So we're definitely going to reap the benefits if we play our best game that I know and that, you know, I mean, the other five know we can play. You're playing some big games, man. Um, where would you kind of uh, fit playing at Arkansas among those? Oh, it's definitely up there. Arkansas is big time, you know, SEC and down south. It'll be my second SEC team I've ever played in my career. So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Who was first? Florida last year. Florida last year. That's right. That's right. Um, in terms of humidity and crowd, and were there any lessons you kind of learned that may be useful in this one? Oh, I had to change my socks like three times at the Florida game. So In the middle of the game? Uh, once at the very beginning, once at halftime, and then at the very end, like fourth quarter, I was like, my socks are drenched. I need to change it again. <laughs> so just packing extra socks, I guess. Extra socks for Paul Miley. Okay, let's make sure you, you get that. Um, what's the most underrated part of um, this offense or this team or this offensive line, in your opinion, right now? The most underrated part? I got to say that run game, I feel like everyone, just because of the numbers we got, I mean, those first two games, everyone's sleeping on us. So, and as I mean, Block out all that outside noise, but we got something to prove Saturday, so we're gonna bring it. You, uh, you, uh, I think someone in your family married into the Kafusi family, right? Yeah, so, your mom did. Okay, so do do the Kafusis give you offensive line um, feedback? Because Corbin could as an O line, but like Isaiah, Jax, Steve, are those guys ever weighing in, Rich? Uh, not really. They kind of let me do my thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome. You know I mean, they always just love. That's all. Just love and support. So. Never really. I mean, if they want to give me feedback, I'm always open to it. But, I mean, not really. It's always just showing love. In the end, did we trade Devin for you in, like, a second-round pick or something? Is that what happened with the swap? <laughs> I don't know, I guess. <laughs> but Devin's my dude, you know, and I needed to be here. He needed to be there. So it worked out best for everybody. Yeah. In the end, uh, the Kafusis, the, the first family of Provo. It's awesome. Uh, Paul, thanks for the time, man. Good luck. Appreciate you. Thank you. Senator Paul Miley, so my question to you, Spencer, is how many socks did you take to Fayetteville? <laughs> I brought five pairs of socks, but again, I'm here for five days, so yeah. you know, one pair per day. Take like, it easy. You I don't anticipate that my feet will get so sweaty that I'm gonna need to wear multiple pairs of socks. But you never know. It is SEC country. I think that we're all looking at this game, Jerem, with the offensive line in mind, the running game, any other big question marks that have been surrounding BYU the past two games as the real litmus test, a group of BYU fans that were headed to an alternate vacation location uh, on my flight yesterday said, what do you expect, Spencer? What, what, what do you think? Do we got a shot? And I'm like, it's tough to know because the first two games have kind of been a little bit of a mystery. This is the litmus test for BYU football. This week, we, we will know way more about what BYU is as a team after this game against Arkansas, especially what BYU is capable of on the offensive line and with the running game. I am so looking forward to finally finding out what I believe BYU football actually is in 2023 through this game. Yeah, and then you get into conference play, and uh, you know, after September, I think we'll have a real good sense of, of what BYU is, where BYU's at. Like, and you're right, this is, this is the first Power 5 opponent. This is the first uh, game that BYU on paper should lose. So if they win, it's an upset. Like the line opening at 10 without Rocket Sanders, that information quite yet, was pretty big. Um, so we'll see. But like we talked about pregame, and Jeff Hansen, even, even uh, when we asked him during the summer, what do you expect? He said 
compete. The BYU will compete. Like, I do not expect a 17-plus a loss in Fayetteville. I expect BYU to compete, and that's what I want. Because, no. honestly, I don't need a win from BYU this week. I would certainly love it and like it, all of the above. What I need is four wins in conference uh, to ensure a bowl game uh, happens for BYU. I'd like BYU to compete if they can win, great. But I would rather have a win over Kansas and or Cincinnati than an Arkansas win. Arkansas is a really good program, but it's not one of those Wisconsin-Tennessee type games where that makes a national splash in some way if you win. If BYU wins this game, hey, yeah. BYU's 3-0. They just won at Arkansas. But uh, I would rather, now that BYU's in a league, like the mindset changes just a touch. But let's see if BYU can't go and pull off uh, an upset in Fayetteville, man. Let's see. Oh, man. You want to talk about getting some confidence that BYU is going to win at least six games? Beat Arkansas on Saturday. Oh, then it's and happened. that just yeah. gets a significant boost. And isn't it interesting that before the season we were like, oh, man, the back half of the schedule is just so tough, loaded. And now we're looking at Kansas and Cincinnati and we're like, man, maybe both of those teams are really good and West Virginia's not great and Oklahoma State's not great. Maybe it's not as backloaded as we once thought. And that's just through two weeks. So a lot of fun as we push into Big 12 play, Jerem. Absolutely. And you can listen right, to up it. next, join Greg Rebell. Hans Olsen, Mitchell Jurgens, and Jason Shepard for Cougar Pregame Live as they get you ready for countdown, or for kickoff rather, between BYU and Arkansas, 5.30 Eastern, live on BYU Radio. Is BYU's record against Power 5 teams the past few seasons a sign of things to come? The percentages have changed. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Studio B in Provo and Fayetteville, Arkansas, ahead of BYU and Arkansas coming up on Saturday. Let's get to today's headlines. BYU football roughly 55 hours away from kicking off against Arkansas at Frank Broyles Field in Razorback Stadium. Now, if you missed it yesterday, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick implemented a change in the BYU backfield this week. LJ is going to start this game and Aiden's going to play too, and so is Dion, but LJ's going to start this game. What went into that decision to go with LJ and give him a start? Uh, he's breaking tackles. Coverage for the Cougars and Razorbacks begins with BYU Sports Nation game day live on BYU TV and Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Number 12, women's volleyball takes down Utah in four sets last night, hitting 345 in front of a record-breaking Smithfield House crowd in women's volleyball of 5,528. BYU was paced by 16 kills from Aaron Livingston and 14 kills from freshman Claire Little. Bauer to Little. Claire Little has taken over the match. Indeed she did. Cougars play at Utah Valley Friday at Utah State Saturday. Number one ranked BYU women's soccer hosts TCU tonight in the Big 12 opener. First ever Big 12 contest for any sport at BYU. Keep in mind the Cougars were picked to finish first in the Big 12 by a single point over TCU in the preseason poll. You can watch the game on ESPNU tonight at 9 Eastern. Big 12 Defender of the Week, Olivia Smith-Griffiths and her teammate Kendall Peterson join Jerem in a few minutes to preview tonight's matchup. And tonight on Thursday Night Football, hey, it's back. Jaron Hall, Kyrus Togan, the Vikings play the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. 
to the Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU is 10-6, Jerem, against Power 5 opponents since the beginning of the 2019 football season. Are we ready to move past the long-time 40% Power 5 victory rate for BYU, given the recent success for the Cougars in the last four years? I mean, 62.5% yeah. win rate over the last four seasons. What do you think? That's pretty awesome. We have not seen BYU play 10 P5s in a row like this, or nine every year at least in league and consecutively after those three games. So not quite yet. I do love that BYU has increased that number by 20 plus percent. That's awesome. But I do need to see BYU for three to five years in the league and see what that looks like and what how BYU recruits to match that. They've certainly gotten better in the talent department this year, we think, but they've got to show it on the field. Yeah, right now I'm leaning more toward four power five wins, which will get BYU to six. But there's, I mean, there's a good chance that some of the teams on BYU's schedule are not as good as we thought they were going to be. We're starting to see that. I already referenced that earlier. There's five wins out of the 10 Power 5 opponents on BYU's schedule, I believe. The Cougars just need to be a little bit opportunistic, take advantage of some home field advantage in conference. And yeah, I think BYU can string together five wins. So I'm settling on the 45 to 50%. I think BYU could win half of their Power 5 games. I think that would be totally fair this season. Yeah, I'd, I'd take five for seven wins in the regular season. I'd take that right now. Uh, Jets players have gone out of their way this week to voice their support for Zach Wilson as the new starting quarterback, given the Aaron Rodgers Achilles injury out for the year. What do you make of all the public support from Jets players and coaches for Zach? I think this is Aaron Rodgers leading out. I think his example in the locker room of embracing Zach pulling him into his hip pocket to learn from him and to grow with him in the film room and through training camp. I think this is just showing you what Aaron Rodgers did for the locker room and how they view Zach Wilson. This is what Aaron would want. This is what the Jets players are doing. And this is also an indication of what Robert Sala has said. He, he's told his players, Zach is our guy for the rest of the season. And the players have publicly bought into that. This, they believe that Zach is the guy better than any other veteran or free agent out there right now that will help the Jets win the most games. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But I think this is, this is an, an indicative thing from Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers saying, everybody, get behind Zach. We need you to do this. Well, one, out of desperation, they need him to be good unless they trade for a backup from another team and invest that. But... They've put some capital into Zach, one, keeping him in two. They've seen the growth he's made in the offseason and uh, in the preseason. He had a really nice preseason. And now they're going to they're gonna back him. They should back their guy. And uh, hopefully Zach can break through a piece that's been hard for him in terms of taking care of the ball, making good decisions. We've seen it at times, but consistently. Because if he does, this Jets team can do a lot. Like, this team can be in the playoffs and do something interesting if Zach can play well and they've got a good run game. It, it, it's basically, can Zach deliver for the, this Jets team? And obviously, we are all rooting for that for Zach. Can the number two pick in the 2021 draft get the Jets to 10 wins in a playoff spot? We will watch with, uh, I mean, with fascination as this develops. Now, he was the number two pick, the number one ranked team in the country, BYU Women's Soccer, hosts TCU tonight, Jerem. Will this be the toughest game remaining on the women's soccer schedule this season? 
No, TCU is very good, but Texas ranked 16th, 6-1-1. Texas Tech is 6-0-2, unbeaten at this point. Houston 6-1-1. There are lots of big games. I don't think this is the toughest game left on the schedule. But when you're number one, Spence, everybody's gunning for you. But this BYU team is uniquely prepared yeah. for this moment because they just didn't show up at number one this year. They went to the national championship game. They were a Sweet 16 team. They're perennially in the top 20. They have added impact transfers and freshmen. The bench players would start on most teams around the country. No, this is the most talented BYU women's soccer team, in my opinion, ever. And they are prepared for this moment, for this season, to be number one for TCU, to make a run, to win a national championship. I've never been more excited than for this women's soccer team specifically. I think they're ready for this moment. TCU happens to be the next opponent and the first of many Big 12 games. It's not too far-fetched to think that this BYU team could run the table, Jerem. I'm not saying I go. I agree. Unbeaten, meaning a tire two you, or three. Where you, where you win every game. Yeah. Yeah, there may be a few ties in there. Sure. I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that they do not lose a game this season. The road contest at Texas, to me, is the toughest remaining game on the schedule. And if they can get through TCU tonight and get through that Texas stretch without being beaten, watch out. They'll be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they will host to hopefully what is their second college cup. That would be awesome. All right, check out the Cougar Tailgate podcast with Cleon Wall and Lauren McLean and their latest episode with Johnny Linehan as they discuss what fans would do for a win over Arkansas. You can download and listen on the BYU Radio app. Women's soccer stars Olivia Smith-Griffiths and Kendall Peterson are in the house to preview BYU's first ever Big 12 conference game in any sport. I just said some flattering things. We'll talk about it in a moment. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Beastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. Can play with anyone. He has shot and score, and what a goal! Professional level goal. You love to see that from Smith Griffin. Let's go, the number one ranked team in the land, your BYU women's soccer team. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. I'm Jeremy Jordan, joined by the past couple of defensive players of the week in the Big 12, and Olivia Smith Griffiths. Got married to Kyle, former BYU football player, and Kendall Peterson. What's up, guys? How you doing? So good. good. How are you? I'm I'm great. Um, how's life as number one? Are you used to it? It's week two now, Olivia. You're like, oh yeah, we're number one. <laughs> we keep winning. We keep this. Yeah, it's fun. It's obviously fun to get that recognition. So it's been awesome. Okay, and then a big game, obviously tonight, Kendall with TCU. The Big 12 era begins not just for soccer for everybody. How are you guys feeling about the first one? We're so excited that we get to be the first Big 12 game ever. And we just are ready for Cougar Nation to show out and show the Big 12 what we're all about. Okay, there's been a, a long buildup to this, right? But also in women's soccer, just getting to the point where you could be the number one team. Two years ago, you guys are on the team and, and obviously run to the College Cup and the National Championship game. You get to the Sweet 16, you get over the hump of Stanford last year. Now this year, this team, and I, I said in the last segment, I felt like you guys have been prepared uniquely for this. Olivia, tell me sort of the process of the last couple of years of getting to this point where you guys are comfortable as the number one. You're not this big surprise. You were the unanimous number one. 
Um, I think the big thing that helped us realize we could get to this point is seeing Santa Clara win the national championship. Like, obviously, they're in our conference, and every time we played them, it was always a battle. So I think seeing them do it, we're like, hey, we can totally do this. We, we know have, you. You're yeah. on our level. <laughs> we have the same talent, <laughs> and we have the same drive to do it. And so I feel like that really helped us see that it's a possibility. How, how do you feel about it, Kendall? Because it's, it's been a buildup for you guys over yeah. a long time, too, the whole program existence, but for your class specifically. Yeah, I think that we've just been able to handle our losses really well and really just pick out what we need to improve on, and then we've been able to do it. So, Okay, as defenders, uh, when, you, when you get assists or you score goals, the league's like, oh, cool, let's give you an award. So uh, you guys have won these awards. What is it, what is it meant to win an award? And specifically, you scored your first two goals at Utah, and uh, you got Defense Player of the Week. <laughs> um, yeah, it's awesome. Obviously, as a defender, we don't get that many chances to shoot or to score goals, and so it's always fun when we get to do something like that. And then beating Utah 6-1. That's awesome as well. <laughs> also awesome. And that's been a weird match at times up there, right? So what was it like to go up there and really, uh, really turn it on, Kendall? 6-1 is uh, quite the showing. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just awesome. I think that... We had a really good mindset as a team going into this game, and we wanted to do what we hadn't done in the past years, and we just took it to them. Seven assists is third in the country right now for you. What is going so well to set up your teammates? Um, I think that we've done a good job just being creative in our offensive attack lately, and I don't know. I wouldn't have them if I don't have people finishing, so... I'm glad that we're scoring lots of goals this year. <laughs> and then you have uh, the distribution of goals is incredible. Like Erin Bailey is coming off the bench. She would start at most teams around the country, if not everybody. She has five goals, which is tied for the team lead. What is it about the depth of this group, Olivia, that's special? Um, I think it's amazing that we have these players coming off the bench. And Jen doesn't like to call them bench players. She calls them game changers. That's right. They really do come in and they bring that level of energy and um, the starters that go out, we wear out the team, and they can come in and add that boost of energy, and it's been awesome for us, and it's been the difference between games. Kendall, if you went the whole year with no goals, but you had like 15 assists, would that be okay with you? Totally. Because <laughs> it's going really well. You know, do you feel like you want, do you want to score a goal, or are you like, as long as I have assists, I'm good? I would love to score. I mean, I'm taking shots. We've seen it but... from distance. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm totally happy assisting. Um, your husband's a good dude. I want to tell a story about this. I, I, I bet you agree. One time I, I went do. to uh, a gas station, a, a Maverick, like on some weekday night. Maybe it was a Friday night. I can't remember. But he was there, and we talked for a minute. And I, he, he goes to the register. I'm grabbing whatever and leave. He had paid for me without me knowing in front. He's a good dude. I like that's Kyle. That's how he is. He's that's how he is, right? And that's how he played uh, at BYU. What's it like uh, being married to Kyle and now having, uh, you know, Former athlete and current athlete thing going on. <laughs> it's the best. I mean, obviously, we were best friends for a long time, so it's so fun marrying your best friend. He says he had to work very hard <laughs> to, to get the chance to marry you. Did he work hard? He did. He was consistent. <laughs> Harder than when he played football? No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, what, how does the crowd help you? Like, how, do, how would you quantify that, Kendall? When you're playing at home, UCLA, you had 5,200 fans. Some of them are throwing water bottles at, at Aaron's head, as we've talked about on the show, which is funny. <laughs> Um, how do they, how do you quantify that? Because BYU always has the best crowds in the country. Yeah, it just is electric once we get on the field. We can feel a difference in the energy just in our warm-up. Everyone is, I think, sharper in our warm-ups when we have more fans and more eyes on us. And it's been awesome because 
I met some of the other Big 12 soccer players at a conference I went to this summer, and they had heard about our fans. Mm. And they're, they aren't playing this year at our field, but she was like devastated that she didn't get to come and experience our fans. So it's just awesome. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be special um, for the Big 12 to come in, for BYU fans to kind of showcase what it has. And that happened again with women's volleyball last night. Like, at, at what point, um, sort of maybe when you recruited or whatnot, did sort of what the home atmosphere is like and the exposure, obviously, on TV and whatnot, what role did that kind of play in your desire to play for BYU? Because it's one thing to play soccer. But if no one knows the soccer's happening, it's tough. But at BYU, it's unique. It's one of the best uh, kind of funded and, and seen teams in the country, Olivia. Um, I think that was a big part of, for me coming here. It's obviously, it's like, it feels like a community and it's so fun that people love it. And yeah. How about you, Kendall? Yeah, for sure. It was a huge, it played a huge role in why I came here. But Jen is, Jen does a lot to get our fans out and it's like her pride and joy. It's her baby. She's the only coach. I mean, she's been around forever. And at some point, we got to name Southfield Jennifer Rockwoodfield. That's just me throwing that out there. <laughs> Whenever she's done in 5, 10, 20 years, whatever it is, we got to rename that field for Jen. That's just, that's all I'm saying. Um, okay, being, being number one now and kind of getting everyone's best shot, do you feel that? Because certainly the crowds are showing up, like Utah, Utah Valley and Utah had massive <laughs> crowds. Not only because it's a rivalry, but the number one team in the country is here. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like our team does really well under pressure, and I think we actually invite it, and we love it. It helps us play to that next level, and it helps us stay at the top of our game. Did 2021 and kind of that run, and then 22, and obviously always being ranked, but this is another level, right? What, how did that kind of aid the pursuit here of, of what you guys are going for, which is not merely to win the Big 12 and not merely to the College Cup, but to win the national championship? Yeah, I think we just met as a team and really prioritized what we wanted to accomplish this season, but we can't go to look too far in advance. And it started with our preseason, and we just went out and accomplished that goal. And so now we're on to the Big 12, and we're just ready to go. Uh, you guys can take it one game at a time. I take it two games at a time. Um, <laughs> you're at Utah State. You guys play at three. Women's volleyball team plays that night. Are you guys staying to watch that one, or are you coming home? I'm not sure. Hopefully you're staying to Hopefully watch. Staying. That'd be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> just support each other. Maybe women's volleyball come to your game and you swap. I don't know. Just throwing it out there, Heather and Jen. Uh, well, good luck tonight. All the BYU Sports Nation karma we can possibly muster <laughs> until Kyle Hillow for me. Will you? <laughs> I will. Okay, BYU and TCU Women's Soccer tonight, 9 Eastern time on ESPNU. ESPNU in for this one. It is a big one. Check it out tonight. Coming up uh, first, download and listen to Her Why podcast on the BYU radio app. Lauren McClain chats with Olympian and BYU assistant track coach Tiffany Lott-Hogan this week. Check that one out. Coming up, what's your favorite BYU win over an SEC team all time? Is it Ross Oppo and BYU at Ole Miss in 2011? We'll hear from you after this. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. special to be a part of that and like to be have people around you that don't think you're ever lost you know like they let me play catcher with one arm you know like what the, like what the heck are we doing you know like, like they had to deal with people saying like why are you having him play catcher now all these people that questioned Omer said like why are you spending all that time with that kid he's not gonna be like worth it now they can like look back and be like, 
it was worth it. You can check out the full version of Porter Ellett, my old intramural softball buddy, his deep blue, on BYUSN.com or BYU Sports Nation's YouTube channel. Porter uh, is called by Andy Reid, his left-hand man. Our question of the day, what's your favorite win over an SEC team in BYU football history as we bring Spencer Linton back in from Fayetteville? Caleb McKay on Instagram. At Ole Miss, I was 10, drove over from New Orleans. We were front row. I had given up at the end. I was crying because BYU was going to lose the first game I'd ever been to in person. But then Kyle Vannoy gets the strip sack TD, and we lost our minds. I'll never forget it. That was obviously a huge moment, especially in the first game of Independence, to go to an SEC team and win that game. It was, uh, it was awesome, man. Real sports fan on X. Has to be Tennessee. Usually for a last-minute drive to work, you need positive plays. First player two, Bushman saved a pick. Zach was sacked, took a bomb to uh, Micah Simon just to get miraculously into OT, winning the game on the ground, and legs of Tyson Williams was crazy. Indeed it was crazy, Spencer. Our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Chris Holly Taylor on Facebook. My favorite win over an SEC team will occur this Saturday, September 16th, as BYU beats Arkansas. Ooh, that is an elite voice of the day. Okay, calling his shot. He's calling his shot, baby. Let's go. I like it. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's go with BYU Track and Field hosting the 11th annual Courageous Kids Invitational yeah. yesterday. How cool is this? The Courageous Kids Invitational aims to provide children with medical conditions and their families an opportunity to mingle with Cosmo and BYU athletes and then join them in a variety of kid-friendly track and field events. I love the images that came from this event. Truly worth a rise and shout out. Yeah, I ran into uh, Ryan Waite, who just moved into my neighborhood, director of ops, and I, he said, oh, I'm headed over to the uh, Courageous Kids Invitational. I was like, I don't even know about this. What is this? This is the 11th annual. So they've been doing this for a long time, which is tremendous. Well done by uh, track and field and cross country. That is awesome. Our thanks to today's guests, Paul Miley, Olivia Smith-Griffiths, and Kendall Peterson. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows available on demand at BYUSN.com. Sorry to Dennis. We ran out of time. For Spencer, I am Jerem. Shout out to Katie Larkin. Go Cougs! We'll be live from Provo and Fayetteville again tomorrow on another live edition of BYU Sports Nation.